Good morning again, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, really quickly, before I dive into the message, I have, uh, I have to take a quick poll. Um, is there, by show of hands, does anybody here know what a Canadian tuxedo is? <laughs> okay, so you're the only one. So, okay, so a little bit of context. Canadian, Jordan, I walked in this morning and Jordan looks, looks at me and he goes, Nice Canadian tuxedo. And he's talking about my blue denim on blue denim. And so like, I want, I, I'd never heard that before. And he's making fun of me a little bit. I'm like, man, I actually like it, Jordan, you know, whatever. So I wanted to see like if anybody else thought it was a weird thing, but you're on your own there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, good morning, everybody. I hope everyone is well. Um, we are continuing in our Roman series. Uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul, just walking verse by verse through the book of Romans. The, the title of my message today is The Apostle Paul's Valediction, Part 1. And um, if you don't know what a valediction is, uh, the definition of valediction is the action of saying farewell. After 14 chapters in the, the book of Romans, we are at the final two chapters, and this is Paul's farewell to the Roman church. He's, he's giving his, his, final, his final words. This is his valediction, and this is actually uh, where we get the word for valedictorian, right? Um, uh, we just talked about Jordan. Congratulations, Jordan. It's awesome. It's an awesome honor. Um, one, thing, one thing I think it's important to note, valedictorian isn't just an honor to celebrate how smart somebody is, which you are smart, right? I'm not saying you're not smart. But it's also an honor to celebrate and recognize the discipline that you've displayed and the work ethic. You've devoted yourself to um, your studies and your education, and it's paid off. Like, congratulations, man. It's really cool. It's really cool. Um, last week, I had the honor of attending Jordan's graduation ceremony, and I got to watch him walk, you know, the stage, and I got to watch him receive the diploma, and I got to hear the faculty share, like, um, just really incredible compliments about Jordan and how great of a student he was and how great of a person he is and, and all that, and um, it, was, it was cool. Uh, but the coolest thing was getting to hear Jordan give his, the valedictory to the graduating class at his high school, um, the, the final speech, um, just such wisdom. There's eloquence in the way you said, I mean, you did a great job, man. I don't know. I don't know what you thought, but you did a great job. I'm not trying to, he, he didn't want me to embarrass him. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but i um, so sorry if I am, but um, he did a great job. It, it, it made me proud to know him. He, he did incredible. Um, Anyone who gets a, ch uh, a chance to share some final words uh, with, with somebody or a group of people usually does like a pretty good job of like giving some pretty good nuggets, right? Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's pretty, you know, pretty normal, I think. When, when you get a chance to say some final words, you, you, pretty, you, you impart some, some good wisdom. Uh, if you were given an opportunity to say, where, say farewell to somebody you care about or say farewell to a group of people you care about, what would you say? If you were given a chance to impart some, some wisdom to somebody that you were getting ready to separate from probably forever, maybe you didn't know how long you're going to be, like, what would you say if you could give some final advice? Some people uh, impart useful knowledge, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Bob Marley. It's like, Pastor Ryan, Bob Marley? That's a weird example. But Bob Marley's final message to his son was really profound. He looked at his son. He's dying of cancer. He's on his deathbed. He looked at his son. He said, money doesn't buy life. The, 
and all the things he could have said, he's trying to help his son understand materialism isn't the thing. Things aren't, like, don't matter. It's, it's people, right? Money doesn't buy life. It's profound. It's profound. Some people leave behind uh, some head-scratching advice, like uh, Al Capone, for example. Al Capone, the famous mobster, right? Um, it's believed that Al Capone's final words were this, seriously. You can get more with a kind word and a gun than you can get with a kind word alone. Very heartfelt and sincere, Al, thanks. Um, final words, they matter, right? The, the, the final words matter. The, the, the final message you want to leave matters. And today I want to look at the, the first part of the Apostle Paul's valediction to the Roman church, his farewell. But before we jump into the scriptures, we'll, can we pray together this morning? Pastor Jason said we were going to pray one last time. We're going to pray a few more times. So I, I love prayer. So pray with me this morning. God, we love you. We thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for the scriptures. And we just ask, God, that you would open our hearts and open our minds to your truth today. That whatever, whatever it holds for us, God, that you would make it clear. You would root it deep inside of us that we might live from the truth that we're going to hear today. We love you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bible today, you can open it up or turn it on to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going through verse 13 today. Um, and remember, this is a this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Roman church, and it all started with basically doctrine. Basically, like, this is how you should think about God. This is how you should think about God and his relationship with humanity. That was basically the first eight chapters of, of the book of Romans. And then after that, it's been practical application. Okay, now that we have the doctrine, now that we have the doctrine laid out, this is how you apply it to your life. That's what it's been up to this point. And now we're beginning his final words, the valediction. Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We must not just please ourselves. Now, this word please in the original language, uh, it implies striving and working to gratify yourself above everybody else. Striving and working to gratify yourself above anybody else. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't strive and work to please yourself only. Don't strive and work to gratify your desires above everyone else's. This, this principle that he's trying to teach right now is the exact opposite of the culture of our world. Verse 2, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Even Christ didn't strive and work to gratify himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. He's He's quoting Psalm 69, verse 9 there. Um, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we, patient, as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. This phrase shows uh, one of the ways in, in which everything in the past was written to teach us. Everything in the past was written to teach us. And the cool thing is, is we are included in that us. So originally, the scriptures were written to natural-born Jews, 
But because of what Jesus did, like we are now included in that us, right? He, the Apostle Paul talked about this earlier in his letter in the Romans. He talked about how we are branches from a wild olive tree and we've been grafted in to the olive tree of God, right? Like we are now a part of that us that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Praise God. Verse 5, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. God's mercy is demonstrated, according to the Apostle Paul, God's mercy is demonstrated by by God causing Gentiles, non-Jews, to glorify him. That's how God's mercy is, is on display. And, and the Apostle Paul, he, he proves this by citing verses from all across the Old Testament. So he just, he just cited a verse. And in verse 10, it says, And in another place it is written, and this is in the Old Testament, Rejoice with, the, with his people, you Gentiles. And verse 11, And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him. All you people of the earth, verse 12. And in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope on him. Every part of the Old Testament witnesses to the inclusion of Gentiles as, the, as a part of the family of God. Praise God, because you are a Gentile. I am a Gentile. All that means is we're not Jews. We weren't born Jewish. We are Gentiles. Praise God that he included us in his family. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The first few verses of chapter 15, um, the Apostle Paul's continuing his thoughts from chapter 14, right? The stumbling block principle. He's, he's continuing some thoughts um, be considerate of others. We must not just please ourselves, you know, that kind of thing. But then he points to Jesus as the ultimate example of this. But then in, in verse 7, there's a shift in the theme. And the theme shifts to Gentile Christians identifying with God's people. That becomes the theme. Romans 15 is, is rich with some incredible wisdom. And, and uh, already in the first 13 verses, we've... we've we've come uh, to some pretty weighty ideas that we have to work through and navigate. And today I want to make some simple observations of the passage of Scripture that we just read. Right? This, this letter from the Apostle Paul is wrapping up, and, um, and he's, giving, he's giving his final advice. The final advice is starting, and, and it's kind of one of those deals where he's like, I want you to remember this one thing. If you forget everything else, I want you to remember these two things. I want you to remember these three things. If nothing else, remember these four things, okay? You have to remember these five things. Like, it's kind of that, that kind of deal, right? Like, everything just keeps, like, becoming important. But um, there's three observations I want to make about what we read today. The first observation is this. We are to live a life of servanthood. 
We are to live a life of servanthood. Romans 15, verse 1 and 2 say this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up. Now, if I'm honest, this is not, this is not a fun talking point. This is not a sexy talking point, right? Who wants to talk about, who wants to talk about living a life of servanthood? Because when we, when we hear that idea, living a life of servanthood, we kind of cringe. We cringe a little bit. Because when we hear something that, like that, we think like, oh man, servanthood? Does that mean like, does that mean I have to make my life about other people? D- Pastor Ryan, does that mean like I have to, I have to like think of myself second? Does that mean like, like I, I have to prefer others over myself? Like Pastor Ryan, that sounds really, really extreme. Well, let me clear something up for you really quick. That's exactly what that means. <laughs> If it was unclear, that's exactly what that means. Living a life of servanthood does mean that my life is about other people. Living a life of servanthood does mean that I prefer others above myself. Living a life of servanthood does mean that what I want is second. That's what living a life of servanthood means. This is our Father's heart. And as, as his children, we're supposed to look like him. As his children, we're supposed to take up his mantle. As his children, we're supposed to be in the family business. Pastor Ryan, family business? What on earth are you talking about? What family business? What mantle are you talking about? Jesus makes it really, really clear. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 say this. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. But among you, it'll be different. Among my followers, it's going to be different. Among my disciples, it's going to be different. See, the world, they they take their authority and they lord it over people. They boast about the authority that they have. But among you, it's going to be different. Uh, Jesus is basically saying this. Put up that slide, that first slide, that picture. That's how the world serves, or that's how the world leads. They lord it over their people, right? Jesus said, no, 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 not you. Among you, it's going to be different. Among you are going to look way different. We're going to lead through servanthood. And basically, Jesus is painting this picture. Put up the next picture. We're going to lead through servanthood. You're going to prefer others over yourself. Your life is going to be about other people. What you want is going to be second. That's how we're going to lead. That's what Jesus is saying here. Among us, it's going to be different. You're going to make your life about other people. We must not just please ourselves. We must, must not just strive and work to gratify ourselves. So that's the first observation. We're to live a life of servanthood. The Apostle Paul's coming in hot with some final words, right? We're to live a, a, a life of servanthood. The second observation I want to make today is this. We're supposed to accept each other. We're supposed to accept each other. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. That word accept is funny, right? In, in, our, 
culture, the way we use that word accept in our everyday lives, it kind of means like um, just let, letting things happen or like um, uh, just like, uh, what is it? Like just letting things happen or bring, bringing anything in, right? Like just accept it, you know, just, just, let it, just let it happen. Whatever will be, will be, right? That's how we kind of think of accepting. But this is not what the Bible means when it says accept one another the way Christ accepted you. This word accept in the original language means to receive or to grant access to one's heart. To grant access to one's heart. So when we, when we, when we replace that word accept with maybe the definition, it would say therefore receive each other just as Christ has received you or Grant access to your heart just as Christ has granted you access to his heart. It kind of changes, it kind of changes things. It, it kind of changes our understanding of that. And, and this acceptance thing, it's a two-way street. If, if I receive you and I grant you access to my heart, but you don't reciprocate, there is no acceptance. If you receive me, and you grant me access to your heart, but I don't reciprocate, there is no acceptance. And when there's not acceptance, there's dysfunction in the body of Christ. And this acceptance has nothing to do with theology. It has nothing to do with methodology. It has nothing to do with how we go about things. It has everything to do with our one thing that we have in common. It's our faith and trust being in Jesus. Grant, let's grant each other access because we have that commonality, because we love Jesus. See, the Roman church, uh, just like our church, was comprised uh, of people from all different walks of life, young, old, Gentile, Jew, rich, poor. And the Apostle Paul saying, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care where you've come from, where you've been. Accept each other. Receive each other. Grant access to one another's heart. Uh, the very first church I was uh, actually plugged into uh, was in Nebraska, and it's called Bellevue Christian Center. It is called Bellevue Christian Center, BCC for short. And one of the things I realized when we left Bellevue Christian Center was that um, they were really good at this idea of accepting. They were really good at it. Not perfect, but they were really good at it. Um, now, let me, let me set it up for you really, a little bit. In, in this church, they had a ministry for senior adults. They called them the seasoned saints. Um, and it was like basically age ranges from like 60 to 90s, right? Like um, up there in, in, in age. Um, all, you, all you 60s people, you would be seasoned saints. I'm just giving you guys a hard time. Um, but th that's what this ministry was um, for, for ages 60 to 90. And um, they... They were a really tight community, but they really saw that there was a, a barrier within the church, not just their church, but in the body of Christ. There was a barrier between generations. There was a barrier between older generation and younger generation. And they, they recognized that the older generation would look at the younger generation and they would see them as cocky, arrogant. They don't want to listen to anybody, right? That's how the older generation sees the younger generation typically, right? Generally speaking, in the church. And they saw that the younger generation, generally speaking, would see the older generation as like their has-beens, essentially. Like their life is past, you know, like they're in their sunset years, that kind of thing. What good are they? Like that's the general attitude between the generations in the church. And these seasoned saints wanted to bridge that gap. They wanted to 
remove that barrier. So they decided to go outside of their age groups to join other small groups. And so these seasoned saints, these, these older adults would be in small groups with younger couples or even like young adult people. And uh, there's a specific couple that I'm thinking of. Um, you guys will know them, Heather and Taylor Jameson. Um, Heather and Taylor, like mid-20s, brand new married. You know, uh, Taylor is like a lead singer, guitar player in like a metal band. He's got long blonde dreadlocks, you know, that kind of thing. He's in, he's in a group with some of these seasoned saints, and you would think like they have nothing in common. You would think like, man, there's nothing, there's nothing that these guys will have in common with, with these, th- these older generation people. But it was, it was really cool to see, like, this culture of accepting, and it was a normal part of life. And, and Taylor and Heather really benefited from the wisdom of these seasoned saints, and these seasoned saints really benefited from the passion of these younger people. Like, it's really cool to see, like, how this accepting culture, how this um, granting one another access to our heart, like, changed, like, their outlook on faith and, and how they interacted with people that, that weren't like them. It's amazing. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. So the first observation is we're to live a life of servanthood. Second observation is we're supposed to accept each other. The third and final observation I want to make today is this. Joy and peace are, are a result of trusting God. Joy and peace are a result of trusting God. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Joy and peace are a result in trusting God, of, of trusting God. Joy and peace are sought after seemingly by everybody. But not everybody has joy and peace. Not everybody gets to experience joy and peace because joy and peace come from experiencing like trust in God, from, from putting more of your trust in God, growing in your trust in the Lord. You don't have joy in your life? Examine your trust level in the Lord. Peace just kind of seems to elude you right now? Examine your trust level in the Lord. Joy and peace are a result of trust in God. And there's really, there's really one reason that joy and peace are a result of trusting in God is confidence. It's confidence, right? Like, whenever you're trusting in God, it means you're not focusing on anything else. It means you're focusing on him, and he is immovable. He's unshakable. And when you're focused on him, nothing else really matters. That's where peace comes from. That's where joy comes from. In Matthew 14, uh, there's a story about the apostle Peter. And uh, all, all the disciples are in, in a boat and, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and it's stormy, and there's waves crashing, and, and they're really scared for their lives, and they see Jesus walking out on the water. And Peter calls out to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, come out. And, and the apostle Peter, Peter, focusing on Jesus, he starts walking on water. In the midst of chaos, he's walking on water. When he's focused on Jesus... Nothing else matters. That, there's that trust. The moment he stopped focusing on Jesus, everything started going downhill. He started to sink. He thought he was going to die. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Peace and joy come from trusting the Lord. The same holds true for us. Regardless of what storms you're facing, regardless of what circumstances have arisen in your life, when you're focused on Jesus, there's a sense of 
joy and peace that springs in your spirit. When you're focused on him and not your circumstances, there's a sense of joy and peace that arises in you that, that can't be taken. This comes despite what's happening around you because of your confidence in Jesus and because you know that he's going to come through. It's powerful, powerful. There's a guy named uh, Francis Chan. If you don't know who Francis Chan is, that's Francis Chan. Say hi to Francis. Um, Yeah, thanks, Robin. Uh, Francis Chan is an American Christian author. He's actually a New York Times best-selling author. He's a former pastor. Uh, He founded uh, Eternity Bible College in Simi Valley, uh, California. Um, And he, like, sits on the board of multiple Christian organizations. Like, he's, like, he's, like, an established guy or whatever, right? Um, But... Anyways, like, I say all that to say, like, he has this quote that, that, like, really, like, jumped out at me. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, so true. He said this, I think, in one of his books. It says, God has allowed hard things in your life so you can show the world that your God is great and that knowing him brings peace and joy even when life is hard. God has allowed hard things in your life so you can show the world that your God is great and that knowing him brings peace and joy even when life is hard. I think this is an incredibly profound thought from Francis Chan about peace and joy. Even when life is hard, even when life is unfair, even when things aren't going right, even when that, that person at work who like, kisses up to the boss and they're not really good at their job, even when they get the promotion over me. Life, like we can still show the world that God is great. Even when the housing bubble pops, even when things are are turbulent in your family, even when you have to have those difficult conversations, even when you feel like the money's running out and you don't know how you're going to pay that bill. Even when that person who's really special to you passes away, like we can show the world that Our God is great because we can have peace and joy in the midst of anything. I pray that God will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Worship team, you can come to the platform. We're to live a life of servanthood. We're supposed to accept each other. And joy and peace are a result of trusting God. Could you imagine how different things would be if we made the decision to not just serve, but to live a life of servanthood? And there is a difference. There's a difference between serving and living a life of servanthood. What if we, what if we made the decision to be servants? Not just serve every now and then, but be servants. Everything would be completely different. Everything would be completely different. We would, be, we would quickly become more and more like Jesus. We would quickly look more and more like Jesus. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of followers of Christ who, who believe, like, man, I could never be like Jesus. Or, man, like, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner to look like Jesus. Start living a life of servanthood, and you will see how quickly you will look like Jesus. Because he came to serve. The greatest servant the world has ever seen, Jesus. Live a life of servanthood and you will quickly begin to look like Jesus. What if actually accepting each other, receiving each other, granting access to to my heart, granting access to your heart, like what if that wasn't a pipe dream? 
What if that wasn't like this pie in the sky, like fantasy idea? Like what if that was actually reality? We could actually do that, accept each other, take our relationship with each other to a deeper level. What if it didn't matter how old I was? What if it didn't matter how much money I had and we could see each other as brothers and sisters? Like what if? How different would things be? What if learning to trust God more and more every day could actually give you unbreakable peace, unspeakable joy? What, what if? Wouldn't you try to do anything you could to put your trust in him if, if peace and joy were the result? I know I would. Live a life of servanthood. Accept each other. Joy and peace are a result of trust. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. And we just, um, God, we just ask for your grace in this moment. We ask for your grace in this moment, God. There, there uh, are some, some challenging ideas that, that we just talked about today. And, and I just, I pray, God, through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that you would empower us to to live a life of servanthood. You would empower us to accept one another. You would empower us, God, to, to grow in our trust in you despite our circumstances. I can't do it on my own, God. I need your help. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, teach us. We love you, God. We give you praise and honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. What I want to do right now is I just want to take a moment and just respond. I just want to respond to um, the Holy Spirit. I want to respond. I, I want to allow him to do work. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I just want, I don't want us to rush through this moment. I want us to, to hang around. Just It's just going to be a couple minutes. But let's allow the Holy Spirit to do work in, in our hearts today. If you need to pray, pray. If you, if you need to sit and, and meditate, do that. If you want to um, sing along, you can, but like, again, let's not rush through this moment. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do the, the, the work that only he can do. So um, you can stand if you'd like, you can stay seated if you like, but worship team, lead us this morning. I just want to be like Jesus, and I want us to be a church that desires to look and be like Jesus, that desires to fall in love with Jesus. And I think when we begin to create space in our lives for him, create more space in our lives for him, I believe that happens. A, a, a natural, like, progression is when we make more space for him he fills that space and when he fills that space we become to look more like we become to to look like more more like him and we become to act more like him and think more like him and see more like him and love like him and serve like him like let's make space in our life for him not just on Sundays but every single day I didn't, I didn't, 
I didn't ask him if I could share this, but I'm going to share something that Brian shared with me this week. Um, just really encouraging, inspiring. Uh, Brian and I were talking this week, and, and he made the comment how he's, he's made time to get in God's Word every day for the last 40 years. Like, man, goals. I want to be like that, Brian. Like, it's amazing. Like, let's make room for him. And when we do, like, amazing things will happen. Like, we'll see amazing fruit from making room for the Lord. So, um, before we end our service today, I just have a few next steps that I want to challenge us with, encourage us with. And, um, and these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply them to our life this week. So uh, the first one is this. This week, I will pray and ask the Holy Spirit to empower me for a life of servanthood. If you try to be a servant, a true servant, apart from the Holy Spirit, it's not going to last very long. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to, to live a life of servanthood like Jesus. Second one, this week, I will meditate on what it means to accept the other believers God has placed in my life. Remember, receive one another. Grant access to your heart. Grant access to my heart. That's what it means to accept. And then this week, I will memorize Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think it's really important to memorize the word because when the lies of the enemy come, you have to be able to combat them with truth. It's important to have the word inside of you. It's important to, to know what the word of God says because that's our, that's our, our defense against the attacks of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. So um, let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed this morning. God, thank you. We love you. We, we give you praise. We need you. God, we, we can't do this, this faith thing without you. We can't, we can't live our lives as servants without you. We can't accept one another, truly accept one another without you. God, we can't experience peace and joy without putting our trust in you. So teach us, God. Help us. We love you. Finally, may you live a life of servanthood that reflects God to a hurting and broken world. May you accept and receive one another unconditionally as Christ has accepted you. And may you experience joy and peace beyond understanding because you place your trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for, for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.